Hi, I'm Faye Salvin from the Big Life Group. Welcome to the Anon podcast from the Big Issue North. It's about the people we meet and the struggles they face. It's about their everyday stories that are little heard and little understood. Often people are vilified and laughed at by the media who delight in producing programmes that portray them as ignorant or as victims. In a time when hate crime is on the rise, we want to champion people who have the least. Help us to turn the tide, listen to their stories, understand and help us to change the world. My name is Mustafa Abusnur. I'm living in Manchester, here with my family. I come from Syria. I lived in Syria 2014. And my name is Tala and, and I've lived here about two years and I'm from Syria. I've got school and I'm in year four. I'm nine and eight months. Syria is one of the most beautiful countries in the world. So why leave? You know why. We are sleeping, we woke up, we hear a gun, fire, shot fire. Look at outside, we see the roughs and arms in the street. And uh, the following three, four months, uh, we are under siege. We can't come out from Aleppo. No power, no water, no petrol for a car. The, the people leave the car in the street because no petrol, no food. If you are rich or poor man, that make a difference because you have money, but you can't buy food. Nobody has food to sell. Alibo is an industry and economic city in Syria, the number one. And uh, the life is what easy, everybody busy. I own a small company with my brother. We work in steel, we import and export and sell this material. And we have everything we need office, we have house, we have a uh, farm, uh, everybody have car. And this war, we lost everything. <laughs> because this war, uh, nobody know how this, this war starts. A horrible experience for an adult, but through a child's eyes. Our building was destroyed and we didn't have food and we didn't have anything. Plus it was Ramadan and we were fasting. And we would just woke up on a bum and I was confused. I didn't know what's going on and I thought I'm going to die because I didn't know what's going to happen the next. Is the bum going to drop on us? Is, like, is it going to come near us or something like that? I couldn't. I was so confused that I just tried to cheer myself up but I couldn't. Every minute you hear bump. Every hour you think about uh, what was going to happen next hour, next day, how to provide food, how to protect your kids, how to stay alive. In the beginning, we don't know what to have to do, don't know where to go. The bomb at night dropped over us. We have a minute to look after my daughter, after my kids, my family, my mother, my, my dad, nobody, some people die in our neighbor, not us. Really so hard. The bomb just dropped and me, my dad and my uncles all went to see what's going on. And there was like so many bad people coming and destroying our house for no reason. We've done nothing to them. We just ran out of the house and we went to another house, which was a bit far, and we were running very badly and everyone got hurt. My stepmom only lived like a week 
and she didn't see anything. All she saw was bombs dropping, and afterwards he, we ran and we um, we couldn't even think about anything. We could, didn't have time to take anything with us. We just ran, and my dad and my uncles all went to f- not fight, but like telling them what you're doing and stuff. And my dad got. Um, hit very badly. He even had blood everywhere and his um, stomach and everywhere. And I don't know what happened exactly because I wasn't too young to understand and stuff. So I didn't really know what's going on. So I just ran where my dad told me to go. We survived many times by miracle. Many times a uh, bullet come into our car, glass car, five or ten centimeter. The person who sits in the seat will die. And uh, sometimes uh, the window uh, explodes. Uh, if you die, that means your family die with you. You had to provide them food every day to think about the food, think about the water. Nobody wants to sell food, bread. Everybody needs to keep it for his family. Uh, Aleppo stay about six or four, four months under uh, struck uh, siege. Nobody can come out, nobody can come in, uh, and nobody know what we have to do. I saw my house destroyed, and I saw the big tree that we took, like, years to just make it up, and then afterwards, and then in the night you just fell because the bombs were dropping it, and I heard, like, bombs and horrible, nasty words and disgusting things. Like, people were just leaving their cars and going and like people were driving the car they saw it they ran and and people didn't even help anyone they just ran didn't care about who um they die or not they just care about themselves but um thank goodness my family didn't do that they looked after all of us and my dad got hurt but he didn't care about himself he just cared about others so he didn't look after himself that much because he looked after us and that's why he got so much hurt not like other dad might leave you and just, well, I wanna, I don't want to get hurt. The final battle for Aleppo swept through the city like a man-made malevolent tornado. All sides in this war were prepared to destroy Aleppo to possess it. In the end, the firepower of the regime and its Russian and Iranian allies was too much for the fractious rebel coalition that controlled East Aleppo. Life goes on, but not for everyone. We were just learning as normal and I was working with my friend to, it was a new school, it was like my first day and afterwards it was playtime and we were all playing on the swing and stuff and um, like my dad told you, no one cares about each other but I did, I cared about my sister although she was about to die, I, didn't, I just went to her. We, she was on the slide and the bomb just came was right next to her and the um, wall was quacking on her and I ran to her miss was holding me not to go and I just ran and I got my sister because if she died I would want to die because I don't want to live without her and then afterwards my dad came and he um, got us I thought and I asked my dad um, how did you know did you know from the news and he was like definitely not because if I knew from the news you would be already dead and afterwards I got really hurt and some children died, some children didn't, some teachers did die because they stayed the last to get all the children out, so some of them died. We went in the car and we went to... 
we didn't go to our house because I think it was broken, so I can't remember where we went. Baby, baby, me and my sister start singing songs to cheer us up, and then afterwards I felt strong because I got used to it, and I actually um, just thought about it. If I die, it'll be it'll be a good thing because it's the same thing. I'm I'm not different to other people, so I just stay strong. And if I died, I'll just I won't think about that. I didn't really think about me dying because if I will, that that's how I get scared. So I thought about how am I gonna supposed to get to United Kingdom and what my life is gonna be there. I didn't think about I'm gonna die because that's just gonna make me be nervous and get scared. We think only about to keep our family safe and the big problem we saw so many people when some of them uh, family hurt no hospital nobody can stay with them to take care of them especially the first two months three months a little under siege the doctors or uh, the staff in hospital in uh, any places ran away everybody take he- care his family himself so we have lack of care in Aleppo in that time, 2012. What we have really is tragedy. It's a big pro- problem. I don't want to remember exactly what is happened with us. Really, you can maybe read it or can see it in TV, but to, to think you have this time, this big problem. How could the war get worse? by being made to take part? So and we arrived to Tartus, and we stayed in Tartus about one year. After that, uh, I said make an election, and uh, this election, I say it was fake. And after that, uh, they asked me to join the Assad army to serve in army for the second time. I served in Syria army 2000. So that time, I don't have any choice, so I leave Syria quickly. I went to Lebanon, Turkey, France. I come to United Kingdom in 2015. That took about three months. When I start this journey, I thinking about uh, really my family. I have four kids, but if I'm going to army and die, they will lost their future. Their uh, they will lost everything. Every family take care of other, but during this war, lots of people need support and help. So nobody take care of other. Even your brother, your uh, uh, mother, maybe your mother take care of you, but not care of your children. It's very hard to take care of everybody. The nightmare of living in a war zone continued for the family Mustafa left behind. Tala remembers the months without her dad. I felt scared without my dad. I keep thinking someone might do the same when we were at Aleppo. So when we were driving the car, when they used to smash it and take us away, I always think that, but nothing that serious happened because, thank goodness, God didn't want anything that to happen with us. When my dad left, I used to ask my mum, when are we going? And my mum never says she doesn't know. And he used to go every, like, nearly every single place. I used to ask her, where, where is he now? And she says, in another country, another country, till he got into United Kingdom. And then afterwards, I went with my uncles and I couldn't 
go because um, I had to, to go with my real mum and my real mum's in Sylvia and we're not taking her with us. I had to stay with my grandma for 10 days and my uncle and my mum and my sister, my stepsister, they went and me and my big sister went, um, stayed with my grandma. And then after we went with my grandma to Turkey, which when my dad went down to Turkey, I felt happy and felt weird a bit because I used to always hear bombs and I got used to it. And when I came to Turkey, it was like a bit weird because I didn't hear anything bad or no nothing nasty. A record number of migrants entered Europe last month through what are called irregular means, such as crossing the Mediterranean in small boats. The agency that monitors EU borders, Frontex, says it tracked nearly 110,000 migrants, mostly from Syria and Africa, arriving in July, three times more than in the same month a year ago. All too often are tellers of Shauna's pictures of asylum seekers arriving in Britain. But what does it look like through their eyes? We arrive with refugees. We come out from airport and we want to surround ourselves to police. As our country, we scare from police. And uh, we want to police to arrest, uh, surrender ourselves. They tell us, you know, you can go to crowding home office and you surrender yourself there. It's the first thing I never had in my country to feel a few of freedom. Really, to be honest, because if you go to any police in Syria, I told him I come here, uh, smuggler to this country, or I I pass the traffic light, they arrest you. But here we go to police station, told them we are uh, refugee, asylum seeker. We come smuggler, smuggler to this country. They are told us it's okay. Do you need transport to take you to home office? or you can go by yourself. You feel you are human. The friends ask us, are you hungry? To be honest, are you hungry? They provide us food. If we need doctor, if we need anything. They offer us a hotel to stay. When I plan to come out from Syria, I don't think about anything. I think about, I have kids. If I'm still alive, this kids still alive have future. If I'm die, they have nothing. I come to UK because I speak little English and also they speak uh, basic English in school or learn some English and I think it's easy in English so I come to UK. Lots of people support me, support my kids. Now I speak better English. I have job. Everything changed, my future changed, my kids' future changed. Tala and the rest of the family were still in Syria, out of Aleppo but not out of danger. I speak with them maybe every day, but uh, I'm still af scared or afraid something bad going to happen. And uh, it's happened with them, it's a bump near them. And uh, here sister have some uh, hurt. They can we live in other city, Tartus, and it's more safe than Aleppo. So if uh, I leave them in Aleppo, I will not leave them. I will stay with them in Aleppo. And it just takes six months. And after I get the residence obligation to stay, I travel direct to Turkey to meet them because I love them too much. After Turkey, on to the UK, following the footsteps of her father. 
this is so embarrassing. But um, basically what happened, I was with my grandma and we were on the station and I just saw my dad's hair. I ran to him and I screamed so loudly that everyone looked at me and it was quite embarrassing when I um, when everyone looked at me. And um, I hugged him and my I had um, my, my grandma smoked. Yeah, and basically I was holding it and I went to my dad, just let it go and everyone stopped like looking at me and saying, what is she doing? And I went like um, running to my dad and, and I asked my grandma, where's my, where's dad, where's dad? And she says, be patient. And I, I said, and then afterwards I just said, I can't be patient. I looked and then afterwards I just saw his hair and I ran to him. And everyone looked at me and I was, I was just a bit like embarrassed that I, I just screamed. Tala found herself in the Unity Community Primary School. It's part of the Big Life Group. There, she worked hard on her English and, of course, made new friends. It's a brand new school, that's what's good about it. And um, the teachers are nice and they teach you well because if you don't understand it, they don't say sort it out yourself, they help you with it. And they, like, say it twice and my life is good because I like it when I see um, people who are kind, not people who make you sad and upset. That's what I like about my school. In Syria, no one cared if you're hungry, if you're sad or if you're upset about something. Even the teachers didn't, they just care about themselves. But when I came here, my head teacher, Miss Lee, she, she helped my dad with everything. She helped me and my dad to sign in and to come to the school. And she helped my dad with his English a bit. And um, the teachers support me a lot because they, um, when I'm like upset, they don't just say, well, um, your parents sort it out, um, like what my country did. They're better, they like help you, and they, and if it was too serious, they'll probably tell you, mum and dad. And if you're upset, they don't, and Miss says she doesn't like anyone seeing upset, but the teachers in Syria, they don't care, they just learn, teach and get money, and that's it. Senna is one of Tala's new friends. When I first uh, met Tala, um, I didn't know anything about her, but we became same, and then we just uh, became friends as as we like walked each other next to, and then like we became friends, and then as we became friends, then actually uh, she told me about her life, and we started doing the same thing that while she did, I followed her too, and she followed me too. So we had a team, uh, and now we have a team like so many friends. It and it's very good. In Syria, her friends were Syrian. Here, they're from everywhere. Christians and Jamaican people, and got Pakistan, I got Lithuanian people, I got so much. I got about now like 14. And when I first came here, I only had one, and um, which was good. But then afterwards, I started getting more by my friend who her name is Sana, who I started getting more from her because she got so much friends that she even told me about them and they start being my best friends and that's how I got close friends. Oshan is from Jamaica, Gabrielle is from uh, UK and uh, Michelle is from Polish. I have other friends so much, I have so many so I don't know that much all of them. I just wanted all to be united, so I didn't care what they said, just like, just make everyone come in together and don't left anyone out. Well, I've learned to 
stay strong and the more that you get worried the more that you get tired so if i was like so worried like other people i'll probably think i'm gonna die and i will actually die i thought about my life where i'm gonna end up and then what's my life is it gonna be is it gonna be good or bad now tala and her family are safe she can begin to think about the future like every family what she wants and what her dad wants are not necessarily the same. I tell my dad I want to be a prime minister, but I don't think so I can really be a prime minister. But I want to be a teacher or a head teacher because I like teaching. But my dad wants me to be a doctor. Uh, because uh, she have chance to study in UK, nobody have this chance to be honest, and uh, she must use this uh, opportunity to. To be a doctor, to so help support people, especially in the Middle East or Africa. Most of people need support. And uh, I think experience she have in her life, she will give her something to give more to people. He wants me to be a doctor so then I can help every single children, like doctors who help me. But I'm opposite, I want to be a teacher. But I said to my dad, my big sister wants to be a doctor so you don't have to force me. <laughs> what about going home? In fact, where is home? For me, I will go back. But for my kids now, it's different. Our permission to give chance to our kids uh, for right, grow up, right education, and le- let them to choose. So the in UK, uh, it's possible to give them what they need to be positive on the social. I do miss home and I do miss everyone who's there. But when I'm going to grow up, I'm, obviously I'm going to have a visit, but I don't think so I'm going to really live there, cause, not because of the war, but um, my life is actually going to start be over here because I think this is a good place, this is where I should live and this is where I should be born, but I'm born in Syria. That's still good. Nobody let you feel you are strange. Everybody say you are welcome in UK, welcome in Salford. Most of uh, my neighbor in beginning tried to support us. And uh, at that time, I can't speak English very well. So I need a lot of support for any application. <laughs> I need support. I have neighbor support me, and uh, there are welcome center also support me. Also, also here head teacher. I want to apply for school, but I don't know how. She support me how to apply, and uh, told me every step to do it to offer them place in the school. Uh, that time was hard, really, but people make it easy for you. In Syria, they used to teach us like. Um, how to say shut the door and open the door and open the window and stuff. And then when I came here, um, I felt a bit left out because everyone used to speak in English. I did have friends, but they I spoke a bit of them, like I just know how to say thank you and please and can I be your friend and can I play? But I didn't know how to speak, like how I'm speaking now. But I, I used to like feel a bit left out 
But then when I noticed some people who are just like me, I felt happy that I've got someone who I can chat and tell, explain my feelings and tell them how I feel and how I came here. Uh, Tan escaped uh, very badly because she, uh, she waked up at morning, she told us, and she, when she told us the story, she started crying and I feel very sad for her. And she had so many good friends around here and a good mother and everything, and now her life is good, and I feel so happy for her now. I don't see houses destroyed, so that's good, and I don't see, I don't hear bad words, and I don't really think about something bad is going to happen to me. All I think about is it's going to be a good life. And I see, like, um, statues and nice places where I can hang out and where I can play and do loads of things and loads of nice playing things but in Syria it's opposite so I don't see good things, I don't see statues, I don't see nice places where I can hang. Well of course nothing is perfect. There's something missing from Tala's new life. I think we need more fun fairs to play with because in the parks there's only games but I like fun fairs a lot. The Anon podcast is produced by The Big Life Group, a social enterprise based in the north of England. Our mission is to help people who have the least. We start where they're at and help them to get to where they want to be. If you want to help us change the world, then here's what to do. Share our podcast. Get other people to listen to our stories. Or suggest other stories we should cover. Pannoni Corporate are proud to sponsor the Anon podcast, putting the spotlight on real people in the north. Pannoni Corporate acts for a number of large private sector organisations and supports many charities and not-for-profit organisations with all their legal needs from commercial contracts to employment law. To find out more, visit pannonicorporate.com. I'm Alan Bezik. The producer was John Ryan and this podcast was a 2ZY production for The Big Life Company.